Welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine, coach in life, queen of burnout and sass, mother of dragons, and right now, keeper of the Amazon, stocking it away because of Christmas. I have a great guest with me today. We just finished recording over on his podcast, which is the Freedom Formula for Physicians. And so I got to tell my story and about all my money drama and money stuff. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about that recently here on Dr. Beavers. If you haven't, go back and look at the money series, why I broke up with Dave Ramsey, why I fired my husband's accountant and hired a new one, all sorts of good stuff in there. But today I'm bringing on Dave Denniston. He is a chartered financial analysis. He's a financial advisor. He's just an overall cool guy. And I'm really glad to have him. So Dave, welcome to the podcast and tell the people a little bit about yourself out in podcasting world with the stuff that you're doing and the magic you're putting into the world. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me, Aaron. It's been so fun listening to your journey on the podcast. And you know, you uh, you broke up with Dave Ramsey and I kind of broke up a little bit with traditional financial advising. And so my journey in terms of, of my finances and then to doctors. I'll try and make this a very quick version. Basically, my wife and I acquired a bunch of financial planning clients in 2008, August 1st, 2008. Amazing timing, right before Lehman Brothers and AIG go bankrupt. And so we literally shoved all the chips we had and put them on the table to finance this acquisition. I took on family loans. Now, the blessing of the acquisition, horrible timing, you know, we're climbing our way back out of it the last 14 years. The um, wonderful thing um, about that is I actually got my first few physician clients and I really was enjoying working with them. And then fast forward to 2012, my wife and I had our youngest daughter. She was a super preemie. She was 23 weeks in gestation when she came into this world, skin translucent. Literally, I was in the OR, you know, as they're doing this, just praying and believing for good things to happen. She makes a little squawk. And then the neonatologist fellow uh, rushes, you know, her over to to the device uh, and shoves a, a little after several attempts, finally gets a breathing tube down her teeny, teeny little throat. Born at 12.4 ounces. Her name is Evangeline, which means bearer of good news. And she's she's been our miracle. It's been a lot working our way through that. And when you add those two things together in my life, the financial pressure of having taken on a bunch of family loans and really rebuilding our whole life from scratch on top of our little miracle girl, I really wanted to help doctors back. So I started this podcast, The Freedom Formula for Physicians. I wrote a few books, did some stuff. And along the journey... I was like, you know what? I love financial planning. I love the clients, but I really hate, I, I was just personally, emotionally with the ups and downs of the market because my income was dependent on what happened with the stock market. And so I said, you know what? I'm not getting where I want to get to financially. I'm making good money, 150,000, 200,000 bucks, but I have this ball and chain of family loans holding us back. And so I started exploring other ways I could make money. 
And so in my podcast, I've detailed some of the various financial experiments that I've done. We bought a mobile gaming kit business. I did Amazon FBA. I finally had a guest on that talked about flipping land, which has now become huge for me. So I really grinded and worked my tail off and just sharing with physicians, you know, hey, uh, as we were just talking about our podcast, you're not locked into doing one thing and you're living proof of that. I'm living proof of that. This thing can be done. So that's the very short condensed version of kind of my journey and what I've been doing. And I really love it because I feel like we come from cut from the same cloth and into the fact that there is no right to doing money. You know, like it can look like a lot of different things for one person in different seasons of your life. And just depending on and understanding like how risk averse you are versus like how much of a saver you are and and like would you be okay losing $50,000 and if like your kids meals depend on it then like no no you're not going to let people do that <laughs> you know and try to talk them into this bullshit that you know there's just there is there's so much bullshit online when it comes around money. And, you know, majority of my listeners here are female physicians. They make a lot of money. They work really hard for their money and they are scared to death. They feel shame around their money. Maybe they are empowered around their money, but there's a few who are probably looking for like the next big thing for them as well. And so we're going to kind of hit on all of that under the preference of freedom. Because ultimately, that's how we, that's how I want money to feel with me. I doesn't, I don't want it to feel like a ball and chain. I want it to be a tool that I can use to live my life in whatever way I want to the utmost. And I think so many doctors in their careers are looking for freedom and autonomy. And I love how you talk about leveraging the financial side to achieve that as well. Absolutely. No, I think freedom means so many different things. For me personally, I am never been someone that really saw myself being part of the FIRE community, financial independence, retire early. But I did want to have the freedom to do that if I wanted to. I never wanted to live on $20,000 a year in ramen for the rest of my life. You know, that's that's not freedom to me. You know, I want to be able to go out to Chipotle or Cheesecake Factory or whatever. This last summer, I went on three or four different trips. I went on one with my oldest daughter to Quebec and Montreal, Canada, and my folks uh, went with my wife to Germany and Switzerland. Uh, We went on a family trip to the New England states. You know, we were able to enjoy and have that freedom. Does that mean I'm not able to retire as soon? Absolutely. But who knows what can happen, right? I mean, as as physicians, y'all know, I mean, life is short. You know, things happen to people. I've seen uh, this year, one of my really good friends who's in his thirties had heart surgery and was a huge, um, he's, he's okay. Thank goodness. But I mean, he could have died, you know, if that hadn't been caught. So I think we have to be wise about money, but at the same time, you have to figure out what does freedom mean for you? For me, that means travel. That means having the resources, setting up different streams of income to live life that the way we want to live it. Absolutely. I think I'm a phi. (laughs) FI. I don't know that I'll ever truly like 
retire, or maybe the version of retirement where you stop working in an industrial sort of way. And then like, I'm not the one that's going to go play golf three times a week. Like, that's just not who I am. I think I'll always have some sort of work in my life, whatever that may be. If it's maybe it transitions from money making to volunteering or running a huge alpaca farm. I don't know what it is, but I'm definitely a fi. And and I've done that. I have, we have lived on, let's see, when I was in residency and we were grinding and paying off, we we're paying on my student loans in my first year as a resident, my grocery budget was $79 a month. Like I knew to the penny wow. what it was. I knew like how much CVS bucks, you know what I mean? When you get certain things, you get uh, the extra bucks to use. (laughs) I would know what we needed. I would go purchase that so that I could get the extra bucks as well. So then we can go back. And so I've done all those things. I've done the like freezing of vegetables. And of course, growing up on a farm, we canned and preserved things. But at some point, I just want to fucking go buy a can of green beans. I don't want to have to put all the energy into it of growing it. I want to do that for fun. I want that to be a part of like a nourishing part of my life, not coming from a place of scarcity and fear of like, oh my God, what happens if the zombie apocalypse? Do I have 500 cans of green beans put back? And I think that's kind of where we're very similar in that too, is having enough. And I talked on your podcast that enough is a decision. And so it really is getting very, very clear of what is enough to you. And and part of that is really evaluating like what you value. Because I think for so many physicians, we have been programmed with delayed gratification And that's where that resistance comes and where burnout starts, where that friction happens when the life we are currently living is not in alignment with what we value as well. Well, I think when you're type A, as many physicians and entrepreneurs are, you center so much of your life around work and work being fulfilling and knowing you have purpose and setting goals for yourself and accomplishing those goals. And when I know for me personally, when I set a goal and I don't achieve it, I'm like, man, you know, and, and you feel that guilt of, oh, I should have done this. Oh, I should have done that. And like I said, I'm, I'm guilty of shooting all over yourself. (laughs) Exactly. And I think for all of us, myself included, being someone that's a driven individual, you know, giving yourself permission and forgiveness that, you know what, I didn't hit the mark this time. Let me try something else. And that's okay. You, you don't have to carry the whole load for everybody as many physicians do. Many physician moms, listen to this, you're being a mom. You're trying to get your kids ready for school in the morning. You're you're having to come to work and being bombarded with different requests all the time. And you're running late for your appointments. And then you get back home and you're trying to put together dinner and getting the kids ready for bed. And you can feel like you're slipping up in so many different little ways. Not that any of them are really big, but being someone that you want things working a certain way and for it not to be working that way, you just have to give yourself grace, man. Just just give yourself some grace to be like, you know what? I can't have it that way all the time. 
and that's okay. My favorite mantra right now is this is what life looks like when it's working to remind myself like this is life. Like there, there is no doing better and, and also really deciding where you're going to pick your battles. Because as a full-time working mother of three, keeper of four alpacas, farmer's wife, like there's just some things like I have just had to learn to let slide and know that's good enough. So we do hot tub baths all the time, all the time. And I'm like, you know what? It's good enough. No, they didn't use shampoo, but they were in some chlorinated, you know, water that I know is pH balanced. So they're going to be okay as far (laughs) as with that. Because we hold ourselves to such a high standard that there is no perfection police. That's one of the big things that I've had to remind myself. Like, my kids are doing fine. Yes, are they eating pop parts for for breakfast (laughs) and not like organic, gluten-free, yada, yada? Yes, yes, they are eating Pop-Tarts. But, you know, again, this mantra has really stuck with me for the last couple of months. It was actually given to me by Kara Pepper, which is enough is a decision. And also, if you are like running crazy with work and home and trying to get your own self-care in and hit the gym and go to the big, huge, you know, partners meeting. And like, at some point you got to call quits to something. There's only 24 hours in the day and hello, some of those need to be sleep as well. Some of those just need to be veg time. Shit. You need to go to the bathroom and eat, like meet those, those basic needs. And, and it's really figuring out like priorities. So one exercise I have people do is get their calendar out. Well, first and foremost, I made them like write down the most important people in your life and the things you experience as your core values, what you value most. And then I have them get their calendar out and see where those show up. And usually with folks who are going through burnout, who are super frustrated with life, who are really struggling, you can see that gap. And no, you can't fix that instantaneously. It's going to be a good like six to nine months before you you have like a somewhat balance calendar. And for some people, it's more like 18 to 24 months, but it's just really seeing where that inconsistency is. And I think that's something that I see with a lot of people as you talk about in the financial world, like, oh, but I'm saving back for retirement. And I'm like, do you love your job? Well, it's a means to the end. And I'm like, to what end though? Like you said, if you value travel, get more travel in your life. If you love alpacas, Buy more ground so you can have more space for more alpacas or whatever that thing is. Because, and I think the pandemic was really clear to show us this, like, we don't know what's coming up. As much as we try to predict, as much as the people in the market try to tell you, like, what's a good buy and what's not, it's all projection. It is. It is. I mean, it's like the weather, right? Where you're making your best guess. Me as a financial advisor, people say, what do you think is going to happen? And I'm like, I don't know, but here's what I would guess is going to happen in the future. But there are ways to prepare for success. I think, let me just touch on this real quick. You had the podcast talking about firing your prior CPA and hiring a new one. I think as you're looking at professionals, I want to tell you a a quick secret here. There are bad financial advisors out there, (laughs) you know, and as, as you're evaluating somebody, you really want to look at what are their values? What are they about? Does that align with you? Because the financial stuff we're talking about, let's be honest, a lot of people can do that, but are your values aligned? 
with that person? Not only are they responsive, are they professional, do they do their stuff, but how are they in terms of values and valuing what you care about? Can they align with what you want to do with your life? And uh, I would point out too, for people that are evaluating financial advisors, that some people look successful, but they are probably in a worse financial position than you. I have, it's kind of like online coaches and entrepreneurs. They can blast out about their six-figure, seven-figure launch. But it's like, are we talking gross or are we talking net here, people? Because there's a big O difference. Totally. The the dude with the, the $5,000 Rolex and the little pocket scarf that's rolling, you know, the brand new 2022 Mercedes. Guess what? He's probably broke. He is giving you financial advice, but he's not living it. I've been around these people. And then what do they try and do? They try and sell you an annuity. They try and sell you a real estate program, something that generates a commission so they can buy their next shiny toy. So as I talk about values, I want to incorporate that in terms of thinking about what is this person like? What do they care about? You know, if they care about that $5,000 Rolex, I would suggest if that's something not important to you, that probably isn't a good value that you would care about in an advisor. I always tell my husband, you know, because a lot of time farmers are land rich, but cash flow poor. And that it's like his grandmother. She's she's a millionaire with the the land that she owns, but she'll tell you she don't have anything, of course. <laughs> because it's all about like it's not about the looks and the external. We currently moved into the farmhouse and it's a small house, about 1,300 square feet. And it's enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Could we build the big house and have all the things? We could, but now we're mortgage free and, you know, we're fine. We're warm. Everybody's taken care of. Bathrooms work. And so I think it is really important to, if you don't know what your priorities are, you must get those at least somewhat nailed down before you start working with professionals. Because you could get led down a path that's like, I don't want to do this. Totally. I think it's important to have somebody who listens to you and doesn't, doesn't push you. Like when you say no, that that's respectful. As a woman, many times when we go sit down and have these kind of meetings, they're looking at my husband and I very bluntly remind them he don't make no money. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not 100% true. He does make money. But if you want to talk to the person who makes the most money then they need to be talking to me and they need to be addressing me and they need to include my opinion pretty high up there when it comes to our decision-making and not just be focusing on Mr. Wiseman. Well, let me, let me just speak to that a little bit in that I think in case of some physician households, and maybe someone fits under this that's listening, that you're like, this money stuff, oh, I hate it. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to let my husband handle that stuff. I want to encourage you to really flip that mindset. Maybe you don't need to know everything about it, but don't just like send your husband to a meeting and you not being there at all. You should be involved, not like need to meet with a financial person monthly, but you know, once a year would be good, whether it's your CPA, whether it's your financial advisor, whoever's on your team, be involved in that stuff because it's so critical for you to, to have your input into those decisions. Because if your, your 
significant other or your husband or whoever is saying all this stuff and is okay with something else that you're not, you know, you really need to, to get into it. So I just encourage everyone, get some education, you know? Well, and, and I remind people too, that, yeah, you may be coupled, but you're still an individual. So like, actually I invest different than my husband does. And our financial guy, we've explained that and he's good with it. The other thing I want to mention that is so important because I recently saw this play out with some close friends is that he died suddenly. Yeah. And she didn't even know where to start as far as what they had and and what they didn't have and who to contact. So, I mean, I think it's just good to know, like, having like a basic outline to say, okay, the life insurance is with this company. Here's the phone number or website. The disability insurance is with this company. Here's the phone number. Like ours is literally on a yellow piece of paper in our file cabinet. That's all it is. It's not fancy. It's not printed. Whenever something changes, I literally just like scratch it out with my pen and write in the new stuff because it does change. But like you said, you don't have to be in the day to day, but you need to know. You need to know where that stuff is, or at least task your spouse to say, like, you need to write all of this down so that in the case of an emergency or, you know, the worst of the worst happens, I know where to go. So I'm not panicking on top of panicking. And I've, in the 20 years I've been in financial planning, I have seen some really sucky stuff. You know, I've seen a family of, of six, dad goes on a jog, keels over from a heart attack. Mom was left picking up the bag of of her husband's business that was just a straight mess. She had no clue what was going on. I've seen the other way around, too, where the more financially knowledgeable one was the gal in the relationship. And then the dude's like clueless and has no clue <laughs> what, what, to, what to do and where the accounts are. I've seen cases where people don't declare beneficiaries on their appropriately. Stuff. Yep. You know? I've seen money being socked away or poorly managed and the other spouse doesn't know about it. And then as and usually, you know, that doesn't lead to great relationships, but then upon divorce you're like, where the fuck did all this debt come from? Right. So I mean, it's kind of like financial infidelity as well. And so I think it is just a healthy part to talk about it. Know what's going on. You don't have to agree all the time. Shoot, me and Mr. Wiseman don't a lot of the times, but you do have to have a workaround and at least an understanding mm -hmm. of why he's doing that. And he needs to understand why I feel the way I feel and I'm doing what I'm doing. But I think it's so powerful coming to an agreement as a couple. That doesn't mean that you actually agree on everything. You can agree to disagree on some stuff, but giving one another the power to do that, right? Like... I give you my permission to go pursue this crazy coaching thing that, you know what, it's going to cost us $5,000 that doesn't break the bank, but babe, you know, go for it. I don't get it, but you know, I, I know that you are unhappy with what you're doing right now. Go ahead and go for it. Absolutely. And the same way for Mr. Wiseman, like he wants to do this crazy land deal right now. And to me, it just sounds like a really terrible idea, but I'm like, that's not that much money. If that's what you really feel like you need to do, then, then I'll support you in that. I may not 100% agree. Maybe sometime in the future you can tell me you were right and I was wrong. Maybe it'll be the other way. I don't know. But like it's it's not something that's big enough to lose sleep over. Well, at the end of the day, it's about having one another's backs, right? That yeah. may, maybe you're not excited about it. 
Maybe you're even a little bit worried about what your spouse is doing. But if it's within reason, meaning it's not going to bankrupt you, right? You know, it's, it's the kids eating cat food. The kid, yeah, the kids eating cat food. You know, life is short. Go for it. Why not? Let's believe in one another. So I just want to encourage everybody, support your spouse in what they do within reason. And you might need a mediator every so often <laughs> to help sort that stuff out. You know, if you really come to a strong disagreement and you might have to draw the line at some points, you know, like, mm-hmm. gosh, this was $5,000 and then another 5,000, another 5,000. You know what? Maybe this isn't really working and we need to readdress this you know, kind of a thing. So sometimes we have to get our spouse as well to stop and that they need to be okay with stopping because it's reached the point of termination where it's like, you know what? We just, we just can't keep doing this anymore. I love it. It's so true. So, so true. And I, I just love the point that, you know, that can be a source of freedom as well, knowing that you got somebody backing you up and that that feels coming from a really good place as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Well, Dave, talk a little bit about your podcast and, you know, how people can learn more from you. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, I've been doing it since like 2013 or so. So nine years, I did take a couple of years off uh, here and there, but uh, we're, we're coming back. This uh, The episode you and I are doing is going to be in season eight of, of the podcast. And there's tons and tons of content that I've done talking about some of my financial experiments. If you're curious to hear about that trajectory and journey and what I've been up to, we've had all kinds of great guests on talking about burnout. Uh, we've had people come on talking about as physicians, their financial journey. And if they're doing something different, some people have gotten into multifamily. Some people do traditional investing stuff. We've had the white coat investor on, physician on fire, uh, all kinds of people in the physician space, Nidarko and his his wife. So lots, lots of interesting people, interesting guests over the years, which you can check out if you look for the Freedom Formula for Physicians on iTunes, or if you go to drfreedompodcast.com, that is my website. I also have my financial planning website separate from the podcast, which is just my name, daviddeniston.com, D-A-V-I-D-D-E-N-N-I-S-T-O-N. And I have all kinds of interesting stuff on there. If you're curious about land investing and tax liens, as well as traditional stuff, I have lots and lots of great articles on there and videos. We have one most recently on tax loss harvesting. And so people can check me out there. And of course, if they want to do consulting, I do hourly consulting with people as well as assets under management. I don't do any commission products. I'm not a sales guy. That's not what I do. So definitely people have questions. They want to talk more. Happy to chat. Yeah, we'll put all of that in the show notes so people can access it super easy. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Aaron. So glad to be here. Hey, friend. So my word of the year for 2023 is going to be slacking for two reasons. One, I am really going to pull back the throttle in 2023 and see what life is like when I just do enough. Not extra, not overboard, not overworking, burning myself out, burning candle at both ends, slacking. Something I don't think I've really ever done my entire life. I'm excited about it, but I'm also worried, of course, (laughs) the classic OCD overworker. 
how this is going to be. The other reason that Slack is going to be my word in 2023 is that's where I'm going to hang out. You're not going to see me in a lot of new places. I'm just going to be waiting for you in my DMs on Slack. Yeah, I'll probably occasionally post on Instagram and still send out a few emails. But you're going to see a change in Burnt Out to Badass and Dr. Me First. You're going to just see me waiting willingly and quietly in the corner for those who are ready for help. No more blasting lots of advertisements and marketing and pushing people. When you're ready, you'll come and we're going to see how it goes. So there you go. That's my word for the year. How about you? Have you picked a word? I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email. Better yet, send me a DM in Slack. Or maybe you want to join me and let's make this the year of slacking. All right, friend. Remember, if work is your drug, rest is your recovery. Come over and hang out with Slack and me and start slacking off a little bit in life. All right, friends. Well, this is another great episode. Again, reach out to Dave if you have any kind of questions, if maybe you have a like individual situation that you're just like, yeah, I just need to talk to somebody who grew out. He's so fun. I've talked to him for the last two hours now, and it's been a great friendship that we've developed. Remember, if you need some help and want to hang out with me, you can always come over to Aaron Wiseman's badass Slack group, not doing Facebook because that sucks. But come over to the Slack group. We talk about a little bit of everything. Whether you need a hug of encouragement or a little slap on the ass, you can get all of that there. Plus, you can drop into my DMs and I will talk to you directly. So, friend, remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. See ya.